Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. We are so glad to be back with Gary Brown, EAM manager at Denbury, who happens to be a valued customer of Skillful. We went on for over an hour on our first conversation, so we decided to split this into two. So if you haven't heard the first part of the conversation yet, please go back and look for the first episode. And now we'll continue our conversation on the importance of having a practice environment for your frontline and cultivating leaders who have true empathy for the frontline team members. You were mentioning that you were um, out on site. Yeah. And that you are seeing some remarkable impact on the adoption of your EAM solution. You, you mentioned a specific percentage. You can decide if you want to share those percentages or not, but I'm curious how you're measuring that. Are you just speaking about the readiness uh, scoring that you're seeing inside Skillful, or are you also seeing, you know, bringing that over into your actual software and seeing what kind of engagement you're getting in your EAM platform? Yeah. So we're, we're actually looking at just like activity, if they pushed or pulled into our ERP system from the solution. Awesome. Mobility solution. Right. So, um, and we tie that to personnel names and all that stuff. And we have a dashboard, you know, and you can break it. So we're an upstream, upstream oil company and carbon capture company. Um, so we're, we're looking at it like we may have a field in Houston and we'll look at it at that level you know, and, and give that to leaders to help them kind of drive um, adoption of the product. Well, the interesting thing was, is that, so I was ready, I was prepared, I was prepared for like 40% adoption, right? Like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna send some mail, a hate mail out, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. <clears throat> and I'm gonna, you know, send it to everybody and, and, you know, let those frontline leaders work their magic. So, and that's my experience for most, for most of the rollouts I've done. So that's why I was planning that. And I went in there and the adoption was at 86%. So, which is remarkable from my experience anyway, now. And so 80, 86% of users um, use the application um, over the last seven days. That's amazing. And... So that email turned into like, you know, more of like, man, great job. Um, there are some opportunities here, but adoption's going really well rather than, hey, guys, this was a large investment for the company. And, you know, we really need to ensure that our frontline workforce is adopting to the new technology to, you know, help the business. Um, you know, it was a very positive email I was able to send. And a lot of that I contribute to, you know, the training that we facilitated, um, you know, and, and Skillful was our partner on that and did a phenomenal job just kind of reaching those different type of 
people um, and training them and giving them the tools that they needed to, to work through it quickly. So excited to hear that. I have said, my team has heard me say this a thousand times over the years that our goal is not to make proficient users of skillful. We do have to get users to adopt skillful, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is for your users to become proficient users of your enterprise technology through skillful. Yeah, it's very important that, you know, people measure, measure that, you know, like, hey, it's one thing to measure, hey, my training program worked, the skillful, the skillful dashboard told me that all my guys are done. Well, we've checked that box, but really we started this journey because we had a technology that was going to benefit the business and increase in user experience and just overall better quality of life, right? And that's where it needs to be measured. Um, but that front end work on that training side is just so critical to make that adoption happen. I would even take what you just said one step further and say the absolute worst case scenario would be if we showed 80, 90, 100% readiness inside Skillful and those same users went over into your EAM solution and fell on their face. That would be a disaster. Absolutely. And, and that's that's what I stay focused on. Yes, we want to see adoption of the platform, but it, it is a means to an end. And I'm okay saying that. It feels a little weird saying that, right? But the, the end is not about skillful. It is about your EAM solution, the business outcomes you're hoping to achieve with that. In your case, you know, uh, efficiency of work order management and the asset tracking and all the other things that come with an EAM solution. That's what we ultimately have to move toward. And I really do commend you guys for for taking a look at that and even just ensuring the adoption. So now I want to kind of take that to the next step, not to, you know, I, I, we want to celebrate the wins, but sure. also now saying, okay, how over time do you anticipate being able to squeeze more value out of that? In other words, take that, I think you said 86 or 87% adoption, get that up closer to 100. And then... Somebody said in a, a post the other day, this, I don't mean to make this a two-part question, but I'm going to now. Uh, somebody posted on LinkedIn the other day. I love this. It's it's like the difference between using and adopting is, okay, so they logged in, 87% of the people logged in and had some interactivity with the application. But now how do we set the bar a little bit higher to say they're actually going, there are five critical workflows that we want to see these guys doing every day in our EAM solution. And guys are logging in but they're only doing two of those five things today. So how do we have a more mature um, adoption mechanism that we can then track to later on? Have you guys even gotten to that point or are you still just in the rollout mindset right now? Yeah. And so, I mean, to be honest, like we're, we're in that continuous cycle, right? So you're, you're, you're defining what you're going to do. You're going to measure it. You're going to, analyze it, improve it and control. Right. So even, even through our journey, um, developing skillful and even through the trainings today, you know, cause we still have about, you know, four or five trainings to do, but every time I open skillful and I look at it, there's something that's been tweaked. Right. Because as you know, you'll go and watch, you know, you'll go into your first training and you'll be like, oh, man, that step's just not quite right. You know, and you and you're intentional about your efforts to document that and work with your partner, whoever that is. Right. To make that work better. 
right? And then you got to be targeted when you got an 86%, um, when you got an 86% um, adoption, right? option, right? Yeah. Like you can't take the shotgun approach, right? Like you need to call the end users that maybe are struggling with that. And the, and the question isn't, why aren't you doing this? The question is, how can I help you, right? How can I help you? Is there something we can be doing differently, right? And you make sure that that gets, you know, analyzed and improved, and then you control that, right? And it just go it just goes through the, 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 the that cycle. And it's going to be, it's a continuous improvement thing. You know, so I think really connecting with those individuals or those groups um, is is certain when you have a success rate like that is is the approach. Now, if I'm if I'm sitting at 20 percent. I really need to like a more broad like I need to revisit my training program or my delivery or whatever it may be like I have a a, a big issue going on and and. And a lot of times the way we did that during like a user acceptance training is we would use like surveys and things like that to help drive widespread issues with adoption, you know, and you make them anonymous and you tell them, hey, if you want to tee off and call us knuckleheads, whatever you want to do, just let us know, give it to us dirty. We want the dirtiest things, you know, that the things that are really killing you. And that kind of helps you, you know, maybe maybe you get it to 30 or 40 and just keep running through that, you know, continuous improvement cycle uh, again and just eventually to creep, creep its way up is from my experience. We haven't had any customers that I've seen the data where it's the adoption has been in the 20s. You know, more of our examples are more similar to what you're experiencing. What we have yeah. seen, what we have seen, and I'll fess up here in, in a public forum we have seen regions or locations be at those numbers. Mm -hmm. And we've asked our customers to have some conversations about that because obviously that's devastating to us. And it makes me say, is there something about our platform that's not serving those people? And, you know, we really want to dig into that and understand it. And what we've seen in every single one of those cases, and I can't right now think of an exception. If there is one, maybe I'll have to update the notes in the podcast or something, but I can't think of an exception in every case it was actually a change management issue with the leadership that was responsible for those locations. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that were having a difficult time dealing with change. They were the ones that were predicting failure across the board. They were saying, oh, this is never going to work. This isn't going to, you know, and I, to some of the things that you said earlier about the frontline workers, just their anxiety going up because of the unknown that doesn't just apply to the frontline workers themselves. They may be most susceptible to that because they've been out of the loop on a lot of the change and why things are happening and things like that. So they feel very vulnerable and I could certainly appreciate that. But even more senior leaders in the organization that are a few levels up in the org chart, they still have anxiety. They still have fear of change too. And so in the cases where we've seen poor adoption, it's been mostly because we eventually find some GM or a manager or director or whatever somewhere in the organization that's like, oh, that's never going to work for my guys. You don't understand my guys. My guys are different, you know, whatever. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's what we see. And so it, it just speaks to, you know, change is difficult. Us, I, I guess I've just come to learn humans are just, we're, we're kind of stubborn, you know, rigid, you know, we have a hard yep. time 
adapting and um you know the devil you know is is better than the one that you don't and uh but that's that's where we do see that breakdown and, and we haven't cracked that code yet i think it just comes down to communicating early and often about what changes are happening and and we're taking that to heart now to say how can we counsel our customers and give them some advance notice hey when you deploy this at your company you're probably going to see some pushback in these areas and while it's not my job to handle your corporate communications for you and i'm not suggesting we should but you should just anticipate that these are probably going to be some of the roadblocks so you know your organization you know your culture you know your corporate communication plans you ought to be thinking about that because we will encounter that you know yeah sure and and like i mean you you touch on a subject that i'm pretty passionate about like you know, if you don't have the right leaders in place, um, you know, developing those leaders to make sure that they're um, communicating the right message is just critical to success. Yeah. I mean, literally, I've walked into implementations and people are like, you know, and this isn't with the most recent application, um, but, you know, especially if you're a new leader, um, you walk in there and they're just like, well, hey, you know, Here's Gary Brown. He's here to roll out XYZ program. Let's just listen to him for a few hours and then we'll go back to doing what we were doing. All right. So when the leader of the workforce comes in and says that you're irrelevant at that point, um, there's no adoption. Their time, your time, everybody's time is being That's wasted right. at that point because of um, one person saying something like that. Yep. Um, leaders critiquing the, um, the product. Right. And not saying like, I mean, there's there's a way to critique something in a way not to. Hey, the right way is, oh, yeah, there's an opportunity here to improve. Let me work with our IT department. They'll work with us to get it done. You know. Or let's let's escalate that through a help desk ticket, but using words like opportunity and not this thing is a piece of crap makes a huge difference in adoption, you know, and it's just key. Um, you know, I always go back to just like, Hey, a lot of us are process driven, right? But this is the reality. I like processes too, but there wasn't one process without a per. There wasn't one process built without a person. There wasn't one well drilled. Right. There was not, not one invention made without a person. Right. So it is the number one asset and it should be the number one thing on our mind when we're talking about adapting to any kind of new program, tech, not whether it's technology, a piece of equipment or whatever it is like that's where you, you need to look at that first, like assess, you know, what type of leaders do I have in place with this program and what kind of communication you need to have up front to let them know the business case or how to be, how it needs to be delivered to them, you know, to make sure that they embrace it when it gets there. And right. I think what you said at, at the top of our conversation, letting them know that we're not just dropping this thing in their hands and then going to send them out to the field and say, good luck. Mm -hmm. You know, we, there's a support infrastructure around them, the technology, the process, and, if there's not, you shouldn't roll it out, by the way. So I'm assuming right. that there's support in place. I know there is with your organization. So they need to to have that comfort to know. I, yeah. you know, some some people on this podcast have heard me say before, told a story about a delivery driver I was out in the field with one day, and he said, 
I feel like when I'm out with our customers, I'm standing on an island by myself. And yeah. that was a, a statement I will never forget because that is the way that they can feel that isolation mm-hmm. that everybody else is at headquarters and I'm the one standing out in front of the customer. And, um, you know, we don't, to, to the extent that it's possible, we want to let them know that there's an organization behind them supporting them. And, you know, Skillful just plays one piece in that. And there are a whole lot of other tools and mechanisms and people and support desk and processes and things like that to ensure that. Um, but it's, it's really, I think it's an important part to let them know. And obviously you guys have nailed that part of this. So that's yeah. Nice. I think one strategic thing we did, and now this is like getting a little specific, but it was like, it helped our, it helped us like is when we did, when we were developed, when we made a decision, we we're going to go with the application. We made sure that we put a team together of peers and it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm going to grab all my best guys that Excel. Right. It was like a team of peers that may have different backgrounds. Right. So maybe it, it could be different age groups. Right. They may look different. They, come from different areas, you know, one lives 50 miles from Canada. The other one lives in the swamp in Louisiana. Right. Yep. Like that's important. And they're in there and they're also in the roles of the end user that's going to be using it. Right. And you have those people there and you want to pick people that have good reputations. They may not have to be the most technical person, but it's people that they love. Like they're the type of people that speak and people listen. Yeah. Right. And maybe they're the social butterfly of the office. I don't know. Yep. But, but having them in there and them talking to their peers as they're going through the process. And when you walk into that, when you walk into a group of, you know, regional managers and you're like, Hey, here's my UAT story. We're ready to roll this baby out. And you put up, you know, a list of 25 people that work in a place that's close to them and close to their frontline workers. Right. That's powerful. Right. They trust those people that it's going to make a difference where the metal meets the meat. You know, so being very strategic about that, how who you put in that UAT team can be very influential and in how embraced it is when you go to roll out. I'm so glad you you brought that example out. That yeah. is such a um that is a very important strategy that you guys implemented there. And um I, I do think, you know, one of the purposes of this show is to talk about what's different between technology adoption with frontline workforces versus kind of the knowledge worker community that mostly sitting in cubicles and working from home. Mm -hmm. And I think something that you didn't say this specifically, but what I've experienced and what I've heard from others is that there's a little bit of us versus them. Sometimes with frontline worker populations, they're out in the field, they're working hard. They're the ones that are making money. They're turning wrenches Mm -hmm. on the equipment. That's what ultimately is making the money for the business. Right. And then there's everybody else kind of sitting back in the cushy, you know, corporate jobs. I'm not saying that that's fair, that that's the way that it's perceived, but I do think it's a reality. And I'd challenge anybody who wants to challenge me on that. Let's have that conversation because I've seen it countless times. And I think what you just talked about is an effort to bring those two sides together so that it's not 
the folks at corporate saying, hey, we've been through this and we swear it's going to work for you. But it's, hey, we're one of you. We've just been through this. Corporate gave us an inside view into seeing how this works. And here are the five things that are going to make our job so much easier and better on why you know we we finally signed off on this, right? I and think that's and, huge. And absolutely. And and you know, I can't stress the fact of being present, being, you know, enough. I'll tell you, I guess one of the huge things, like when we talked about that previous mobility app that we tried to roll out versus this one. And even at the beginning of the project of this one, um, you know, we've moved into this world where a lot of things are virtual, right? But when you took that, you know, when you took that UAT team and you brought them together and you went out the night before and you broke bread and you talked about your families. And then when you stepped in that meeting room the next day, the the energy in the room and how everybody comes together is at a whole nother level, right? You went out and had some shallow fun, maybe had a couple drinks, laughed, talk about some knucklehead things you did in high school, right? And then you stepped into this room and had deep fun and you got into the weeds and you worked this project together. That's the kind of stuff that builds relationships, and those relationships is what drives successful projects. You know, that's the bottom line. Like you don't get that over a video call. Like you bring frontline workers into a video call. This is what happens. They call in, they stick their phone in their shirt pocket. And then they start working on whatever they got to work on. It's just like me and you when we get on, a, you know, I don't know if you do it, but I'm guilty. Right. You get on a meeting. And I have three screens in my office. Well, the meeting's sitting over here, but for this one, I'm on my laptop. So it's just one screen. Okay. I was going to ask. I was going to call you out on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. I'm on my laptop for this. So it keeps, okay. me, it keeps me focused, right? But it's real easy to look at that email and do different things. It is. So you will not get the kind of um, functionality that you want without building some kind of rapport with that team, you know, team building type exercises and things like that are real important to build that chemistry and, and make, to make sure you get a good product at the end of the day. Man, at the end of the day, we talk about this at our team at Skillful all the time. We are people building technology for other people. Mm -hmm. So without the people, we don't have a company we don't have any customers it's got to be about the people. And, sure. you know, you and I got together a few weeks ago, the very next day, the next morning, I was fortunate to visit with another skillful customer. And I had, man, I got to tell you, it was, um, I wouldn't say either of our conversations were particularly emotional, but I came away with a very emotional response to some things that you said, and this some things that um, another client of mine said, because both of you exuded this, remarkable empathy for the humans in the business and wanting to give them what they need to be successful. And I hear that coming out in everything that you are saying. And it's helped me as one of the leaders at Skillful recognize that part of our target customer profile is we want more customers that look like you that have that same personality trait, that it this isn't just about checking a box on a project plan. 
This is about ensuring that the people at the other end of this project can be successful in their role. And so we need to look and say, what are all the tools and practices that we can put in place to ensure that success? And so I really have appreciated you sharing just uh, that the human element of all this. And I know, you know, you're talking about an EIM solution, which is technology, and you're talking about the ERP solution on the back end, which is technology. And we're talking about iPads and skillful, all of that stuff is technology. But at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is the human element of all that because they yeah. can't be replaced. And so we have to uh, do a better job of supporting them. And so it's been great hearing your story uh, about that today at Denver. Yeah, certainly. And, and I'm, I, I'm appreciative, appreciative of you, you know, allowing me to share it. And, you know, like I said, I, I say it all the time, like, and sometimes it's a trick question, right? Like what's the most, what's the most important asset at Denbury? Like, can I just wait for somebody to talk about that, that one big plant we got or that highest producing well, and I'm just chomping at the bit, hoping they're going to say it. So, so I can answer the people, you know, yeah. like that's the bottom line. Yeah. You know? And um, everybody in the world's a little bit selfish, you know, your, your best leaders are the most selfless. And, and, and normally at, you know, one of their key attributes is, is caring mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, but people, people need to know how it's going to benefit them. You know, how's it going to develop them? How's it going to make their, their life better? You know, and we all want to know that a little bit, right? We're not going to go take a new job or something without knowing how it's going to make my life better. Right. Same thing goes for technology. Yeah. Well, and it's in, you know, something you said earlier, it also is about how we frame some of these things, right? If if we frame it as this is something that we're making you do, uh, that's not going to feel great. And it's going to close down our minds on the receiving end of that change. Yeah. But if our leadership says there's an opportunity here for us mm -hmm. to do things better, faster, more efficiently, safer, mm -hmm. and still get you home in time so that you can go to your kid's baseball game, then what, but what we need here is we need for these 10 things to happen, right? That really just um, puts things in motion in, in a more positive way. And um, I, I don't think there's, it, it doesn't mean that we're um, being disingenuous about what the changes are. Sometimes I, you know, we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast too. Sometimes we are asking people to change in some uncomfortable ways, right? There yeah. may be times when we're asking them to collect more data than we've ever asked them to collect before because there's some meaningful impact to having that information on the back end. So yeah, it's going to be a pain in the ass. And some of these things you, you're not going to like. Let me help you understand, though, why it's important for the company, why it's ultimately important for you, for your teammates, for our customers, right? So that we can bring that story together. Um, but there is uh, such a human element of it. And it's been great being able to talk about that with you today. Yeah. I, I want, I do, <laughs> we're way over. I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, I may have to split this into two episodes or something. But mm -hmm. thinking about just kind of the, the overall oil and gas space, you know, you're in the energy space. Um, you're in field service and, and using technology and field service. How do you see skillful evolving inside your organization, even up to and including, are there things that we're not doing with the platform today that in order for you to evolve to a future point with the, with our platform in the context of your environment that you would need to see us do any thoughts on yeah, that? I think, 
for me, the largest thing, and, and really from my perspective today, I, I really feel like Skillful has done a wonderful job at, at um, making a very intuitive application that gives the end user quick access, right? And it also, it also like kind of steps you through, like you'll have the video, the knowledge check, the steps. It kind of gives you some different versions as well. Like, hey, I can watch it. Hey, I can read through the steps. Hey, I can practice it 3,000 times so I don't fail my test, right? Like it gives some a variety to the yeah. learner, you know, and, and so that's something really positive. And, but from my perspective today, I think one of the things that's really cool with, with Skillful is the ability to quickly access kind of where am I at on my training program, who may need additional help and there are probably some tools that could be optimized with that program to make it less um, burdensome, maybe on like a, like the management team. Like, and I think we've talked a little bit about that um, actually in one of our reviews was, was kind of like, Hey, how can, how can we put this in front of, in front of like a leader's face rather than ha them having to go seek it in an application? Like, here's a reminder that, that I need to do training or I need to look at this report or I need to do this or that just automating those processes to get it in their face. Because, you know, I build task and outlook and I'll like build like, you know, reoccurring tasks that I got to do every week. And, um, my, that's how my honeydew list is for my wife as well. She does that. And, um, but anyways, like, Sometimes those pile up and just having, you know, that reminder, whether it's a text message or a push notification or an email, whatever fits your organization, like automating those communications to help hold yourself accountable, like hold the leaders accountable so that they, you know, because people forget when it, really? that's the thing with technology, as we mature, we're expected to gather more and do more and do things more efficiently. So those kind of little efficiencies right there, um, you know, help a lot with, with uh, managing that piece. Your feedback has been noted and um, we've talked about your feedback and that from some others is that the way I've kind of summarized it in my head is we're all being dashboarded to death. You know, mm -hmm. we have so many dashboards to try to keep up with our day and all the leadership responsibilities that that we have. The unfortunate side effect of that is that we have too many dashboards to check. And, you know, just like you talked about the guy wrenching on, you know, on the, uh, you know, in the machine, we've got 10,000 other things clouding our day that, you know, keeps mm -hmm. us busy. And so that proactive work of saying, hey, I'm going to take 30 minutes and sit down and kind of evaluate the status of things in the dashboard, like it just, it doesn't really happen. Exactly. And so we've recognized that and we're looking now, part of why we're um, continuing to explore some of these topics is figuring out how can we, the, the metaphor I use is how can we put the T in the ground, put the ball on the T and then even help that supervisor with their backswing. I'm not even a golfer, but for some reason that really uh, kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. How can we make it that much easier for those leaders in the organization that have to interact with the systems to be presented with things that are actionable 
that will actually make their life easier. So instead of them having to go in and see that they have 10 guys on their team and seven out of the 10 are up to date, but three of them are not, well, we already know that we have that data in the system. So why don't we surface that up to you and tell you, Hey, three guys aren't on track. Do you want us to go nudge them? Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm out ahead of this a little bit because we don't have some of the capabilities that I'm talking about today, but um, I, I really like talking about these things because it's where we see the evolution of this happening. And now that many of our first round customers are really getting into a state of maturity with the skillful platform, now we're starting to say, okay, what are those extra things that we can start to do to really fine tune the engagement with the engagement platform, right? right? And that's an example. So I think we've got, we already have some stuff in the works that I can't wait to show you as a customer and anybody else is listening that is not a customer yet. We'll, we'll figure out some way to surface these de details up, but we already have some uh, things in the design phase right now that I think are going to address some of these things. So you'll be the first to see it, Gary, and everybody awesome. else will have to, uh, you know, come and get a demo and skillful mm -hmm. order to see that right. stuff. Right. All right, man. Well, we are way over our time. So I'm going to wrap this up uh, right here. But before I close out this episode, uh, I would like to let everyone know that Gary and I will be jointly hosting a session at an awesome upcoming event. The Operational Excellence in Oil and Gas Summit will be held in Houston, Texas, November 7th through the 10th. Gary and I will host a roundtable discussion titled Driving User Adoption of Field Applications. So we'll be talking about some of the same things that we talked about today, but really um, putting ourselves in a position where we can answer questions and really have a conversation around these topics. So for more information about that event and how to attend, feel free to reach out to me, uh, either shoot me an email or message me on LinkedIn, and I'll point you in the right direction to get information about registering for the event. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. And finally, unless this is your first episode, you probably already know this. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful. And normally we don't talk about Skillful as much as we have today, but it is the only end-to-end -end systems training platform optimized for frontline operations. You can learn more about how you can solve your frontline systems tra training challenges by visiting skillful.com. And that's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. Gary, thank you so very much for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you for being a great customer of Skillful. We really appreciate the partnership that we have with Denbury. Enjoy working with you and the rest of the team at Denbury. And uh, thanks for carving out. I know I said it was only going to be 35 minutes, but uh, I think we went a little over, but I think it was uh, time well spent. Oh, man, I, I enjoyed it. And, and I'm very grateful that you invited me on here and looking forward to the continued partnership and doing stuff like this. So it's awesome. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your trip up in Wyoming and uh, tell all those frontline workers up there we said hello. All right, man. All right. Take thanks, care. Gary.